Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Tom Jackson will join us to discuss the brain. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, just released is The Brain, an illustrated history of neuroscience which explores that most mysterious of all organs, the brain. It's part of Ponderable's uh, 100 Breakthroughs that Changed History, Who Did What and When, and the author is Mr. Tom Jackson. Mr. Jackson, thank you very much for joining us today on The Grox Science Show. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's certainly a pleasure, certainly, uh, to have you on the program, and certainly uh, an interesting addition to the Ponderable series to uh, talk about the brain. I'm curious, why did you decide to uh, pen this uh, edition for the series? Well, it's a, it's a great subject. Uh, I think that basically sums it up. Uh, we've done, uh, this is the sixth, we've done uh, a book on the chemistry, the periodic table elements, um, physics, the history of physics and astronomy and mathematics and philosophy. And so uh, this time we chose the brain. Um, what we're telling is uh, the history of how we um, have figured out how the brain works. Um, uh, the big difference is with this one is that compared to those other ones that I mentioned, those other sciences, um, we really have a lot more to answer. We, we really have many questions that uh, we don't know the answers to yet when it comes to the brain. Indeed, indeed. The other ones I think are a bit more established in terms of principles that underlie them. The brain's still something of a mystery. It certainly is, yes. It struck me um, when I was putting the 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 contents together that it wasn't really until the 1960s that there was any real tangible um, link between the physical um, processes that were taking place in the brain and any mental processes that you could attribute to them. Um, uh, That was when um, uh, the biochemistry of memory and learning were were beginning to be uh, revealed. Uh, before that, it was still very much done on uh, sort of quite old-fashioned hunch, hunches and punts and just taking a guess and having a good idea and, and uh, you know, um, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and it's not until really the 1990s, which is remarkably <laughs> recently, um, that the functional MRI has allowed us to watch the brain actually work in action and even even today can't really resolve down particularly very closely to individual cells to see what they're doing so um there's a lot of work still to be done indeed a very young science but one that's coming into its own of late it's it's top ideas that change the uh, history of of neuroscience what what do you think is sort of the seminal one of those uh, that really sort of turned the corner for neuroscience well, there's, there are several uh, that spring to mind. Uh, there's the famous one of Phineas Gage, who uh, is a bit of a, a cult hero or a cult figure. Um, he was a, a railwayman working in Vermont, I believe, in um, the 1840s, 1848. And uh, 
awful accident occurred where a three foot, four foot uh, iron spike went straight through his eye and out the top of his head. Uh, I guess the sort of thing that happened quite a lot um, uh, building the railroads. Uh, the difference was that he didn't die. Uh, they pulled it out and it healed up. He lost his eye. Uh, his skull healed up, his, but he had a great big hole right through his brain. Um, but he didn't die, and he didn't... There's uh, Some myths built up around him that his personality changed. Um, but they probably were exaggerated. Um, and if I had a hole in my... If someone, you know, if I had a hole in my head, <laughs> I'd probably have dark, mo dark thoughts occasionally and be a bit grumpy. But... Um, uh, it showed that uh, many things that um, uh, the way that the brain is plastic and that when you lose a bit of it, uh, other bits take over um, and uh, that kind of thing. And the idea that uh, um, that each part of the brain had a specific function, which was a very strong theme that uh, appears very early on in the in the history of brain research, going straight going all the way back to the sort of the, the late Roman era and the early Christian um, era, that uh, the idea that uh, obviously each bit of the brain did a certain thing, like each part of the body does a certain thing. The Phineas Gage example shows that perhaps it's not as clear cut as that because he you know he lost a lot of his brain and he, he's still kind of okay. What idea do you think really launched the modern era of, of neuroscience research? The action potential, which is the the discovery of that in the 1950s, um, which is the chemical process which explains how electrical pulses can be sent through uh, the, branch, the many branches of a nerve cell or a neuron, uh, and that electrical activity, the coded pulses coming through um, from one nerve to the next to the next. There's a chemical uh, gap between, there's a chemical process which links the, the nerve cells at the synapses. There's a tiny gap between each nerve cell. It's not this sort of, as once was believed, this amazingly complicated net, literally net, where everything joined together. There is a gap. But uh, the, the, the ability to understand that process in terms of chemistry, uh, that was a major step forward. In the 1960s, I mentioned earlier, uh, Eric Candle um, was the first person to actually make the link between the physical process of the brain, the chemistry of the brain, and some sort of uh, mental process to do with learning. Um, before that, there, were, there, there was no proof that mental activity had any impact on the brain. If you see what I mean, I mean it was people just assumed it was the case, but there there was no proof. Um, and so once uh, that proof, uh, that that link was made, then neuroscience finds itself on like firm scientific foundations at that point. Whereas before it was sort of flailing around somewhat. When you when you when you looked closely, the whole house of cards could, could you know wasn't all that stable when it came to the theories. So I think I reckon it was it was it, it's that the uh, the discovery of the, the 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 biochemical nature of the memory trace. Uh, in researching this book, what was the thing that surprised you? Um, well, 
as I mentioned, the surprising thing to me was how little we knew for such a long time and how much of um, uh, the history, the, the relatively early history, I'm talking sort of like the 19th century when, when uh, great, great thinkers across Europe and the United States um, were founding the modern science, how prejudiced they all were. <laughs> Uh, they just assumed that white men from Europe were the cleverest people on earth, and uh, they had, therefore, they must have bigger heads and containing larger brains, and they were cleverer than all the women, and they were cleverer than anyone else from any other part of the world, and uh, they were going to go out and use neuroscience to prove it. Um, and obviously, the size of your head doesn't relate to the size of your brain necessarily. The shape of your head has no impact on the functioning of your brain. And so there was a great deal of effort in that area, um, all of which, even then, they weren't finding any evidence for it, but they, they carried on anyway. And um, a lot of the theories that uh, they were working towards still persist in the, in the, in the public um, perceptions. You know, it takes a long time before we, we rid ourselves of these of these silly ideas, um, but that's that was quite surprising that uh, people like Paul Broca, Paul Broca, a French guy who has a bit of the brain named after him, um, uh, he discovered um, a part of the the brain which controls fluent speech. When it's damaged, you can't uh, you can't construct meaningful sentences. You can say things like hello and goodbye and and make noises sort of the um but you can't uh, create meaningful speech um you'd have thought that that was uh he was also a, a leading figure in anthropology and he was a terrible misogynist and racist and and a lot of <laughs> a lot of what uh he set out to 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 prove was uh just a lot of complete drivel I guess it sort of uh, illustrates uh, how scientists aren't always pure, uh, unadulterated figures that we sort of uh, imagine them to be. Yeah, I guess so, yes. And also it, it, it keeps returning to this theme that, um, that really it's such a hard thing to study the human brain. For example, is the human brain clever enough to understand itself? There are so many um, observation of the functioning of a brain, a human brain or an animal brain, <clears throat> is a very hard thing to do. And for a very long time, um, a lot of the research was based purely on unsubstantiated theories that, you know, you know uh, that's the way science works. Um, but uh, the, 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 the big surprise for me was that, that that continued for such a long time. But it's, it's a fascinating story. Uh, um, uh, and I think altogether you begin to get a very, um, it, it tells you more than just about neuroscience, it tells you about how we uh, have changed the way that we understand ourselves. Well, I think that's uh, one of the interesting things about the books, that it is, as, as the title says, an illustrated history of neuroscience. It, it, it kind of covers uh, the development of the science, which I think is quite uh, quite interesting. Where where do you think uh, the, the science is going, and what, what do you think are the questions that are, are, are the big questions that are left to be answered in terms of the brain? Um, the the most exciting bit um, that I came across, which is only, which is so recent, it only gets a very tiny mention, uh, is the use of, is the impact of light within the brain um, using uh, light sources inside, uh, implanted into the, through the skull, seems to be have, seems to have uh, 
a marked effect on the functioning of nerve cells, and I think that may be uh, a fascinating area for development. Um, there's also um, the uh, uh, some uh, research into glial cells, which uh, f for a long time uh, were thought to be purely sort of support cells around the neurons, um, but it's but there is uh, potential that they create a. There are even more. There are 83 billion neurons in the in the brain, and there are even more glial cells. And there's potential. Uh, there is potential that they create a sort of a chemical network, whereas the neurons create this electrical network. There's this, this other chemical network in play, which might be um, a step that. Helps us to understand the, the the vast complexity of the brain. At the moment, it's uh, when you watch a brain in action, uh, the, it it seems that um, that all, any, all sorts of different areas are associating with each other, and it's an incredibly difficult picture to fathom. In, uh, um, so, you know, one day. We might figure it out. One <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can only hope. Uh, I guess as you put it, it's, it's a sort of a difficult picture to put together, but as, as uh, this book is, it's an illustrated history of neuroscience, and the pictures in it are, are, are amazing. Did, constructing this book, do you uh, sort of write the, uh, the prose to kind of match the, the illustrations, or how, how is this all developed? Well, the style of it is to use as many uh, historical images as possible. Um, and so we basically start there, um, but we develop, I develop it on the um, on the subjects um, and try and find. Uh, we have picture researchers who, who try and find the images to match. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, as as all illustrated books, it's a it, it's all it's all put together as as a whole. You know, the pictures and the text have to work together. Um, uh, it gets it gets. Uh, it gets put together in a sort of a synergistic way rather than text coming first in pictures. Well, well I think that, that kind of works. But you're right, it is a, it's a history of, of the science um, uh, rather than um, uh, an in-depth look at the, 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 the deep down into the, into the, the, the functioning, uh, the, the different biochemical aspects of nerves and brain cells and that sort of thing. Uh, well, maybe just to close, what, what do you think uh, the history sort of tells us about uh, ourselves and uh, maybe our quest to understand the brain? Well, uh, just imagine what technology, if we could understand what the brain was doing, uh, just imagine the technology uh, we could produce, we could interface with the brain, we could copy the brain. It's literally just mind-boggling what you can do. Um, and if you can copy the brain and put it into some sort of synthetic setting, you know, what happens next? <laughs> which, is, which is a real brain and which isn't a real brain? And uh, uh, where is the, 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 all that, all that, you know, it's quite science, science fiction. It's incredibly, it, it's totally science fiction at the moment. But if we ever do tackle the brain, then um, if we ever do sort of solve these, uh, the, the big pictures, <clears throat> then, then we can just, the, the human the humanity can leave the body. It can just go and live in in a computer and still you know still be the same the same consciousness. It's uh, you know I'm not suggesting that's going to happen anytime soon, but um, with the the brain makes us human, um, and so 
So uh, wherever the brain is, that's where the human is. Well, we, we might be a computer simulation right now. We might, wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. That was in the in the in the philosophy book. That was number one hundred in the yeah. philosophy book. <laughs> uh, that was that was uh, that was a good fun one. Trying to explain that to people over the over the phone. Uh, that uh, got some quizzical quizzical uh, noises coming back. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, a fun topic and uh, certainly a fun book. It's uh, The Brain, an Illustrated History of Neuroscience, and the uh, author is uh, Mr. Tom Jackson. And Mr. Jackson, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you very much for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on rocking.